This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Good morning. It is time to get up with a performance for the ages while you were sleeping. One NBA star put up numbers we've never seen before. Meanwhile, LeBron's Lakers were the comeback for the ages. We'll say the one thing no one wants to admit about L.A. Plus, one legendary player sounds a note of caution about another. Is there reason to rethink Rodgers? Oh, this could get spicy. As we get up with you, starting right now, hope you had a great weekend. Delighted you've chosen to get up with us and look at the squad we got today. Kmart is ready to roll. McNutt's got all the insight. <laughs> an unbelievable weekend in the NBA. And that's not all. Take a look. Neek is up early with us. Tim Hasselbeck's ready to go. Wendy was watching hoops this weekend, and we were watching a performance last night unlike anything we have ever seen before. Monica, how about the performance of the night from Damian Lillard, spectacular against the Right from the jump, second quarter, he's knocking down long threes. It was game time from the start of this game to the end, Greeny. I mean, this is a guy who talked his talk over the course of All-Star Weekend. He was backing it up. He was knocking down. Look at this. you got to be feeling it when you're shooting it from there. It's insane. Logo Lillard is in the building. He had 41 in the first half. Blazers by 15. Third quarter, he's at 43, and he's not done yet. I mean, this is quintessential what it means to be in the zone. There were no misses for this guy. Fourth quarter, he's at 56 points, and look at him with a poster and the foul. I mean, give it to you from the logo, give it to you in the paint. Any way you wanted, Dame was serving it up. He was at 59, and he wasn't done. Five minutes ago, he's at 61 points, knocking it down at 64 now. He's at a couple of foul shots later, he's at 66, and he's going to use the screen. At this point, he's tapping his wrist. What's the record in this joint? If that's his 13th three of the night, next possession, here we go, looking for 70 and history. 145 to play, bump, tries, runs it up, yes! 70! 71 for Damian Lillard. Dame is the eighth player in NBA history to score 70 or more. 71 is the total on the night for Dame Lillard, a career and franchise high, and he did it with as efficient a performance as has ever been in a point, a total that high. Only players to score more points in a game are Will Chamberlain, six times, Kobe Bryant, and <laughs> David Thompson. Well, six times. Will did it six times. At 32, Dame is now the oldest player in history with a 70-point game, taking that uh, distinction away from David Robinson, the Admiral. So, that was the performance of the night. The game of the day also came in the Western Conference. It was the comeback of the day. Lakers and Mavericks, which means LeBron versus Kyrie. Mavericks were up as many as 27 in the first half as Kyrie had it going, Monica. And I'm not going to lie, Greeny. At that point in the ballgame, I thought, oh, here go the Lakers with that important 20-game stretch. Kyrie, 21 points on the night. And then LeBron with a big block right before halftime and starting to give everyone a sense. Lakers weren't done despite the huge deficit. Actually cut it to 14 at the break. And then here we go to the third quarter. Anthony Davis. 
Davis taking over. This was as good a performance from Anthony Davis as we've seen this season. Willing to be physical, quick off the ground, big time basket. He had 30 points and 15 rebounds. And then here's the scary moment. LeBron goes down, and if you can read the lips and you can actually hear it on the broadcast, I heard a pop. That's a bad thing to hear. It is a terrible thing to hear, and I was certainly clutching my pearls at this moment. Bron, you can't say you heard a pop and then come back in the game. The entire NBA was holding their breath. He never even left the game. He right. stayed right in and kept on going, and then here he comes. This is Dennis Schroeder. No good. There's Anthony Davis. Yes, the Lakers take the lead. This is the physicality, and Darvin Ham has talked about when Anthony Davis has the opportunity to play without pain, he's tremendous. LeBron now posting up. He's got too much size. 26 for LeBron. Lakers up by three. 40 seconds left in the game. Mavericks down by three. Justin Holiday from the corner. No good, but Kyrie is there. It's a one-point game. So the Lakers, when they need a bucket, where are you going to go? They're going to go to Anthony Davis. As they should. Yesterday was his day. He was poised, elevates over Howell there, I believe. Just very, very confident. A terrific performance by AD. Lakers come all the way back, and they get the win. Meanwhile, LeBron, the injury. It's been better, uh, that's for sure. But um, definitely wasn't uh, going to go to the locker room and not finish the game out tonight. Um, just, you know, understood the importance of the game. And then the momentum that we had, I felt like we could, you know, steal one after being down. But um, we monitor the next couple of days, see how it feels, and go from there. But look, it's the Lakers' largest comeback since 2002. It matches the largest comeback by a LeBron James team in his career. L.A. now has two wins this season. When down 25 or more, the rest of the NBA has zero wins in games like those. So let's talk about it here. Wendy, so we talked so much, you and I, leading into the trade deadline. What would the Lakers do? What wouldn't they do? Would they get Kyrie Irving? And when they didn't, it felt like it was something of a disappointment. However, you were saying on the call this morning, the players they did bring in, each of them has sort of had their moment to shine as they have turned their season around. Absolutely. And yesterday it was Jared Vanderbilt. He didn't make the highlight, but boy, was he a driving force. He had 17 rebounds in this game. I believe he got credited for four steals, but he had his hands on the ball the entire second half. And he really forced Luka Doncic into like losing his mind at the end of regulation and caused a turnover that really sealed the game. Uh, the other day against Golden State, it was Malik Beasley who was drilling the ball from deep. Beasley didn't shoot well in this game, but the Lakers now have options. So when you give LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you have a pretty good feel that one of them, if not both, is going to deliver night in, night out, and you have give them options, you will give them a chance to have a margin for error. And to me, Greeny, the defining moment in this game was at the start of the second half. They were down 14 points, but you could see that LeBron James believed his team was going to win. He came out with energy and focus and really pressed the Mavericks. His teammates joined him, and that's the mentality that will open up the opportunity for the Lakers to still salvage this season. So, look, the Lakers, they are sitting right now in 12th place in the Western Conference. And people will look at that number. It was 13th before this game yesterday. But the reality is, if the magic number is 6, if you want to get in and out of the play-in tournament and not have to deal with that, they are currently only two and a half games behind the Mavericks, who sit 6 right now. So, Monica, I'm just going to say it. If you're one of the big teams in the West, if you're Denver or Memphis or, uh, you know, the, the Suns, I would assume, once they sort of get everybody going, the Clippers, I think the Lakers are the team nobody wants to play. LeBron, AD, this new-look team that can actually shoot and they play some defense, I think the Lakers are a lot more dangerous than most people are giving them credit for. I will 
agree with you on that, Greeny. On the surface, I think we've heard Greg Popovich say it over the years, right? A respectable or healthy fear. I think you should have a healthy fear of the Lakers. Just talking about LeBron James and Anthony Davis, if he can duplicate the type of performance that we saw yesterday. However, my concern is that there are not teams in front of them that are willing, Utah maybe, in terms of falling in the standings. And so this is not a given. If they don't get to six, they've got to win two games just to get to a series. And so I'm concerned that overall, there's not enough in the tank. We were all, I heard a pop, away from this being an outright disaster for the Lakers in terms of a game that they needed to win. And with the terrific play from LeBron James and the terrific play from Anthony Davis and the 17 turnovers that turned into 20 points off of turnovers for the Lakers, it still was a two-possession ball game down the stretch. I'll just say this. I mean, Utah, Minnesota, New Orleans, Portland. Those are all teams that are sitting right in front of the Lakers, and, and L.A. has them in their sights. Look, I'm not trying to take away anything from any of them. Dame Lillard just scored 71 points last night. But, Wendy, I feel like it's possible. Stephen A. and I, and Stephen A. will be in here a little bit later today. We talked about it all weekend long. I think the Lakers, as, as crazy as it sounds, I think the Lakers at the right time of the year are, are getting hot, and I think they're going to be dangerous down this stretch. Yeah, they have a favorable schedule. It's it's doable with their schedule. I would just say that the story of this Lakers season, when we're all said and done, is that they really came in with a flawed roster. Mm -hmm. And if they'd come in and made a deal like this or or, or something to bring players like this at the start of the season, we'd be talking about them right now fighting for home court in the first round. Because I think this roster is a top six roster in the West, but they have to carry around that millstone of those first 50 games. And so ultimately, I think that will hold them back. I would be surprised if they make it to sixth, but I do think they're headed for the postseason, at least in the play-in. I would agree with Wendy on that. I I think six is a stretch. But the other part of this, y'all, we've talked about it all season. This team has to stay healthy, right? Like, this, if LeBron says this is the most 23 – 23 most important games of his career, the physicality is going up. This may be junior-level intensity in terms of the playoffs, but it's definitely more intense than the standard regular season, those 50 games that you talked about, Wendy. And so they've got to remain durable through this stretch. And LeBron has been dealing with that foot injury all season. It's not a given. Look, the the difference in the two conferences right now, the East is very top-heavy. We know that there are three big teams there. It would be stunning for anything else Mm -hmm. to happen in the East playoffs. The West feel wide open. Meanwhile, there's a lot to be said about the team they beat yesterday. We'll continue that. Monica's going to stay. Wendy will be with us all morning long. Stephen A. will be here 9.30 Eastern time this morning, and I want to make sure everyone's aware. Stephen A.'s got a special guest today on a special edition of First Take. Charles Barkley will be with Stephen A. to debate head-to-head commercial-free for a half hour at 11 a.m. Eastern, so do not miss Sir Charles. Look at that. How about that? (laughs) Sir Charles and Stephen A. going head-to-head. That's this morning on Get Up. In the meantime, excuse me, on First Take as we continue on Get Up. Did you hear what one NFL legend had to say about Aaron Rodgers? Is it time to rethink Rodgers? If you're the Jets, you'll hear it. Plus, will there be a Bears blockbuster before the draft? Will they trade Justin Fields or the number one pick? Shefty's got brand new information, and you'll hear it as we roll along. It's Get Up on ESPN.
Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, their most advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Anniversary savings await you for a limited time only at dell.com slash deals that's dell.com slash deals we're just weeks into this year and the news is already non-stop two overseas wars a presidential election already testing the democratic process a former president in court it can feel impossible to keep up with but we can help I'm Brad Milkey, the host of Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Every morning, my team and I get you caught up on the day's news in a quick, straightforward way that's easy to understand. So kickstart your morning. Start smart with Start Here and ABC News, because staying informed shouldn't feel like a chore. We're back on Get Up, and we're brought to you by Expedia, made to travel. All right, the football crew is here, and the game is called Would You Rather. Dominique Foxworth, I'll start with you. Would you rather give Daniel Jones a new contract or give him the franchise tag? I think you'd be better off extending Daniel Jones with a full contract right now, not just the franchise tag. I think given the performance that he's had recently, you could probably get him uh, below market rate for uh, a top, top quarterback. And he's shown that the floor is really high with his running ability, and maybe you can turn him into something even better. So try to extend him. Don't franchise him. Tim Hasselbeck, you're next up. Would you rather sign Derek Carr or Jimmy G? Derek Carr, and it's really not that much of a consideration for me. Think about it this way. Derek Carr's thrown 217 touchdown passes. Jimmy Garoppolo's thrown 87. And I get Hmm. that, you know, he had to start his career off behind Tom Brady and didn't play at first. But the reality is he's just not, not healthy enough. You know, he's typically not available, which is why I'd much rather have Derek Carr than Jimmy Garoppolo. All right, and then Kmart, I'll turn to you. Would you rather give Lamar Jackson the contract that he wants guaranteed or trade him for all those first round Greeny, this is easy for me. I would give him guaranteed money. You know why? Because of the time invested in this relationship. It's like having a guy that you dated for 10 years, you taught him how to cook, taught him how to be an adult, you put in all that time to get him just right. Why would I let another woman date that guy? No chance. I, would, I want Lamar in my building. I like the analogy. All right, next stop is Aaron Rodgers. As we await Rodgers' decision on his future, it remains to be seen if he would be a good fit for the New York Jets. 
The Jets have a legendary former player, Joe Klecko, who's going into the Hall of Fame this year, and Joe does not think that Rodgers would be a good match. He told CBS Sports, when he didn't have the perfect arrangement with receivers in the line, his attitude was condescending somewhat to the players. And Garrett Wilson just won Rookie of the Year. I can't see him coming back to the huddle and Rodgers lambasting him for running the wrong route. It's not going to fit. I don't see it. Holy smoke. That's the legendary Joe Klucker, who, by the way, will be on my radio show later today so we can talk about it. He and I. Kmart, what do you think of that? It, you know what? It, it is surprising, but I understand why there'd be some reservation with Aaron Rodgers. I do think football-wise makes – Total sense. It makes all the sense in the world why you'd want Aaron Rodgers, right? But when you add Aaron Rodgers, it's a completely different scenario. In Green Bay, he had the familiarity. He knew the building. He knew the city. He knew the team. The only thing he didn't have familiarity with was those young receivers. And we saw coming in that there was some – the chemistry wasn't quite right. And as the season went on, they got better. Here in New York, everything is different. So – Aaron Rodgers would have to, what I would say, give a Tom Brady level of commitment in the offseason. What he did in Green Bay, he can't do it now. He has got to be there from day one to build that report because everything is new, especially with a young offense. So what you're saying is if he comes to the Jets and says, I'll see you in August, you think that's that's a recipe for trouble. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dominique Foxworth, historically you have not agreed with that line of thinking. Uh, but this is a different situation. And he doesn't agree with me most of the time either. But this so. is a new team. So I'm curious to see what you think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to how well he performs. Like, everyone will deal with whatever the, like, um, eccentricities of Aaron Rodgers are as long as he's playing top-level Aaron Rodgers football. He was dealing with injuries last year, and I think that was the bigger issue. Not how much time he spent there in the offseason, not how kind he is to receivers who run the right or wrong routes. I think what matters is, can Aaron Rodgers return to that MVP level? If so, they are going to love him. All the fans, all the media, all the players in New York, this team has been starving for a top-level quarterback for, I mean, as far back as most of us can remember. So given with how well they played last year, if Aaron Rodgers can show up and play close to his uh, top level of football, I think that everyone will deal with whatever else comes with Aaron Rodgers because, frankly, it's worth it. It will get you closer to a championship than you've been in a long time. Look, look, Tim, what that team needs is more than just a good quarterback. What Rodgers clearly is, whether he is as good as he once was or not. He's a, a trillion times better than what they had before. That goes without saying. But they also need a leader. They need someone to come in there and take control of the situation. That's my view of it. Oh. Tim, do you think Rodgers, and maybe that's what Joe Klecko is leaning or sort of leading up to saying there. Do you think he's the right guy for that right now, Tim? Yes, he absolutely would be the right guy. Look, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know that you can argue him out of being one of the the top five quarterbacks in the game right now. Like, he's one of the best in the game. They, by most accounts, feel like they've got a good roster outside of the quarterback position. And, like, look, the days of, you know, guys all offseason running in the summer heat together and doing that, like, those are over. Basically, the NFLPA is, is... negotiated for more time off in the offseason. Like, we'll see at training camp. So, like, that's just the structure at most, you know, for for most teams. So, guys will get together and throw in the offseason. Sure, that's great. But, like, I just – I don't think that's necessary. And in terms of Garrett Wilson, his reaction to Aaron Rodgers, he got four touchdowns last year. 
You think he'd be okay if he caught 8, 10, or 12? <laughs> yeah. He was the best receiver in the league? Like, he might be okay with you yelling at him if his production doubles. I get that part of it, and I understand that that's not what it is now. But, Kmart, what you were bringing up is what happened when Brady went to Tampa, and they mm-hmm. are in the middle of a pandemic looking for high school fields to go right. out and throw right. on. Right. And, 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 look, not everyone is going to be maybe all the way to that extreme, mm-hmm. but I understand the point that you are making. Yeah, I think, yes. I think the, you can do the bare minimum. You can, you can say, well, listen, the offseason, we're not required. We don't have to. Guys are adults. They can show up and, and just, be, just do the work themselves and show up and be ready to play ball. That's fine. But here's the thing, and Dominique is right. He's a proven winner, and obviously the Jets have a much better chance of winning the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. But he is going to be a hired mercenary. You have one job, Aaron. If you come to New York, it is win a Super Bowl. That is it. You cannot lose to the Bucks early in the playoffs. You cannot lose to the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, like those things, that's not enough here. He's got 17 years in Green Bay of history, and we've seen his growth. Coming to New York, there is none of that history. It's like, dude, this is the job. So do it. So I, I, I hear you, but he also does need to take – he has to do something extra and not just show up and, like, I'm Aaron Rodgers, you guys come on board. I do think the, but, the chemistry part is important. Go ahead, Nate. I don't disagree that there's value to doing the extra stuff, but the extra stuff doesn't matter as much as the results matter. If he does not show up until game one and they go undefeated, no one's going to be like, well, Aaron Rodgers didn't do the extra stuff. If he shows up and does all the extra stuff and builds a whole facility for you guys to practice in when there are are dead periods where you can't get together and he goes to everyone's house and goes over the playbook with them individually and then they lose a bunch of games, no one's going to say, well, Aaron Rodgers tried so hard and did the extra stuff. This is about results, and I think Aaron Rodgers and this team and several teams have shown that you can get results without doing all this offseason extra stuff. It's not completely necessary, but I I understand that people want to put that pressure on them because they want to take the responsibility off of people who build the teams, off the people who coach the teams, and they always want to put the responsibility on the people who play the games. It's not always their responsibility. It's certainly not the quarterback's responsibility to coach. It's the coach's responsibility to coach the players up. If Aaron Rodgers does a little bit more, a little extra, more power to him, I love it, I appreciate it. But let's not get in a situation where we create a bar where the expectation is more than what the expectation should be. Bottom line, Tim, will it work? If if he winds up a jet and it feels like some of the momentum has been heading that way for some time, with him, I guess you never know. Um, But will it, in your view, would it work? It absolutely would work. Look, the, the Jets are basically looking for better quarterback play to be able to compete in their division and in the conference. And if their defense is, you know, rises to, to play like a championship caliber defense, which I think it probably could, if guys like Brees Hall come back, you know, healthy and you get production out of, of him, like, yes, it, it absolutely will work. I mean, there are very few teams where you can look at them and say, you know, it probably is the quarterback position that's been holding them back. I think you can reasonably make that argument for the Jets. And so for that reason, yes, absolutely would be exactly what they are looking for. Oh, it's, it's more than an argument. It is, it, is a, it is a definitive statement of fact. It was the quarterback position that held them back last year. Aaron Rodgers, anyone would be a step up from where they were, but Aaron Rodgers might be the guy to take them where they haven't been in half a century. We'll see. Meanwhile, as we continue, we go back to the epic collapse by Kyrie and Luca and company. It got their coaches' attention. Wait until you hear 
how Jason Kidd called out one of his superstars. What will the reaction be? You're going to hear it next. Plus, the finish of the year Saturday night leading to a very big question. Is the winner of the East going to win it all? We'll answer all your questions as we get up with you on ESPN. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. The teams, the way we were able to continue to scratch, claw, fight. And LeBron James is holding his foot. You know, every game is key for us. I knew I couldn't come out or not finish the game. And the Los Angeles Lakers storm back their biggest comeback since 2002. We got to be ready to start forcing our will on the rest of the season so that we can get to where we need to get to. You're witnessing the process of that. Uh, we opened the show by showing you the Lakers coming from 27 down to beat Dallas yesterday. They're, they're just a game out of the play-in right now. Mavericks only a half game up for the sixth seed. Dallas, by the way, now 1-3 and three when both Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving play. And I want you to listen closely to what their coach, Jason Kidd, had to say after that loss. Yeah, I'm not the savior here. I'm not playing. I'm watching, just like you guys. And as us, as a team, we got to mature. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of new bodies coming back. And we, gotta, we have to grow up if we want to win a championship. I'm not the savior here. Well, isn't that fascinating? Because Luka Doncic certainly is, and then maybe to some degree Kyrie Irving was brought in to be that. And so what exactly is Jason Kidd, who knows what it's like to be a team's huh? superstar? Wendy, what's Jason Kidd saying there? He's calling out Luka Doncic. You know, when he says we're immature and we have to grow up, He's the five starters yesterday, only one of them was in his 20s. The other three were in their, the other four were in their 30s. He was talking about Luca, specifically, I think, talking about how Luca got distracted in this game, complaining to the officials as the Lakers were making this big comeback. And the other thing that happened is as it was going away in the second and third quarters combined, Jason Kidd called one timeout. 
I think because he kind of wanted the Mavericks to try to figure it out on their own, which is an old coach's tactic. Now, there are some schematic challenges with his team. He had Justin Holiday in there defending LeBron James yesterday, a complete size mismatch, which where you see the lack of their wing defenders that they had to trade to get Kyrie Irving. But it's also basically a challenge to Luka Doncic. And after the game, he was asked, how do you feel about what coach said? And he said, it's probably true. So there's only a few times per year that a coach can go after the superstar. It's probably a short list. But Jason Kidd had a purpose for what he wanted to do with this game and the fallout yesterday, and it was to challenge Luka Doncic. Look, I mean, we were here doing the games yesterday, and anyone who watched it, that he, he, Luca argues after every play. I and mean, there's literally, there's not a single play in the game that he doesn't get a call that he isn't unhappy mm-hmm. with either a call or a non-call. And I think that's what Jason Kidd is talking about. Are you good with it? Uh, I agree. I think that's a very keen observation on Wendy's part. I actually thought it, it was for the entire team, though, but obviously Luca is the head of this snake. I think the other part of this is the Lakers understand the urgency of the moment, right? And the Mavs cannot act as if they are secure in their spot in the standings. We just looked at the standings before we came into this segment. And so you have to understand what this backstretch is going to demand of you. There is little time to waste energy on things that are insignificant. You need to be figuring out how to win basketball games. But having covered Dallas a few times this season, the relationship between Kidd and those guys is terrific. I mean, I'm talking to people over All-Star about the addition of Kyrie, and they're like, look, we're just going to hoop. Like, you can't argue with somebody if you don't. Someone can't argue with you if you don't argue back. We just want to hoop. And so I think that is just a call to what this stretch is going to require. Yeah, for sure. The other side of this, of course, is Kyrie, who has played well and has done the right things and said the right things since he got to Dallas, Wendy. But, you know, both you and Woj were making the point right after that trade. They gave up a lot to get him. They don't want – this certainly couldn't have been something they envisioned just being a rental so how does that situation with Kyrie look as we keep going? Again, it's one and three. It's a very small sample size, but that's what they are in four games together. Yeah, I think the Mavericks have a really good-looking future if they're able to get another transaction cycle or two. And they have, they have first-round picks that they can trade. They have young players that can either develop or can be traded. But the problem is, is that they don't have any transaction cycles before Kyrie's a free agent. And there's two things weighing on them right now. One is that Luka and Kyrie develop a chemistry, which I would be betting on would happen. We have seen very little sample so far. But the second thing is the Lakers. And you've got LeBron James hugging Kyrie uh, a week after, praising him up and down at the All-Star game. And it's not so much that the Mavericks would be worried about losing Luka to the Lakers. It would be that the Mavericks would be under pressure to give Kyrie a contract that they don't really want to give him. You'd much rather have Kyrie feeling the pressure of having uh, a short contract and sort of staying more with a team-oriented aspect than having to overpay him in years because you've got the Lakers out there on the horizon. And that is something that is definitely developing as we watch things play out. Absolutely. And then just very quickly, for those who've just joined us here, we open the show with the Lakers today. And I'm just going to say it. I'm strengthening my position. (laughs) The Lakers are going to be a force to be reckoned with, assuming they're healthy by the time we get to the end. And I get it with Anthony Davis. That's always a, a, a scary assumption to make. But the Lakers are a team that could beat anybody in the West if they get in there healthy. Yeah, Greeny, you're standing on a tree stump, not a branch. That's that's not breaking news. The problem is we cannot bank on their health. And to me, are they going to have enough left in the tank when they get through this now 
yeah, officially 20 game stretch. That's all. I agree with you. If they're healthy, I don't want to see the Lakers. But I think, honestly, as we talk about this Western Conference team, I mean, Western Conference playoffs and these standings, who do teams want to see? I mean, you could say you want to see Sacramento, but do you actually? Like, this is a team that's playing with house money and has arrived early. Do you want to see Memphis? Well, if Steven Adams isn't healthy, maybe. Like, do you want to see Denver? I don't know. I don't think Denver is getting the respect they deserve. You're standing on a tree stump, not a branch. Like, that's not breaking news. Congratulations. <laughs> that's an expression I've never heard, but I'm going to use it from now on because I like it. All right, let me run the floor through some of the other NBA action from yesterday, including we opened the show with the highlight of Damian Lillard with a career-high 71 points as the Blazers beat the Rockets yesterday. Lillard had 13 threes. That's one shy of the NBA record. His 71 points equaling Donovan Mitchell for the most any player has scored this year. Portland, another one of those teams in that play-in scrum. In San Francisco, Klay Thompson had 32 points as the Warriors came from a dozen down in the fourth quarter and beat the Timberwolves by five. With the win, Golden State currently sitting seven in the West, half a game behind the Mavericks. So that thing is just so tight. In Denver, Paul George was oh so close to winning it for the Clippers, but his heave from beyond half court right there. These are crazy. Came just weekend. after the buzzer. All this. These are so crazy this weekend. Embiid had one of those the other uh-huh. night. Uh, in overtime, then the Nuggets outscored uh, LA 14 to 4. Nikola Jokic had his 23rd triple double of the year. Denver got the win. In Milwaukee, our early game on ABC, no Giannis, no problem. Drew Holiday had 33. Giannis is out, but the Bucs won anyway. They've won 14 straight games as they knocked off Phoenix in a close game yesterday. And so Milwaukee is a half game back of Boston for the top seed in the East. Celtics have won seven out of eight. They were combined four and one against Milwaukee and Philly this year. That includes that thrilling win over the Sixers on Saturday night. And so a tale of two conferences, right? We've talked about the West. The West is anybody's ball game, right? You have six or seven teams that you could realistically see making a deep run and coming out of the West. In the East, it really feels like there's a big three. Mm-hmm. So in your mind, if everybody is healthy, and with, with Milwaukee, that's the question mark, if everybody is healthy, who is the team that's the best oh team? Oh, my gosh, Greedy. Oh, Wendy, right now, today, I'm still leaning Boston, but it is not a wide margin. Milwaukee has been terrific. And, of course, we all know about that win streak. Chris Middleton getting back in the fold. And I think we saw last night why you cannot undersell the importance of Drew Holiday to that Buck squad. But I think right now I'm still leaning Boston. Now, I think maybe the differentiating factor down the stretch in the playoffs could be the experiences of the head coaches in terms of Coach Bud already having done this and Joe Mazzula in new territory while he's been terrific this year. I think I'm still leaning Boston. I think Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown as he navigates a little bit of an injury, Rob Williams on the floor, Marcus Smart back, and taking a page out of the Warriors book. Last year during the finals, they talked about how everything they do is toward the playoffs and Mm -hmm. about championships. If Jalen Brown misses a little bit of time, but they can maintain their, their spot in the standings and not slip too bad, and he's fresh. Marcus Smart has just gotten back to the lineup. He's fresh. All that bodes well for being ready to rock and roll when it matters. Celtics are here tonight in New York taking on the red-hot Knicks. What do you think, Wendy? Top of the Eastern Conference. Who do you like? Yeah, the Celtics' resume is so impressive, Greeny. Uh, they've had the best record in the league since October. They've got the best road record in the league. You just showed it how they're you know, 4-1 and one against the Bucks and the 76ers. Terrific road victory uh, on Saturday in Philadelphia. But it's so close that I would have to lean. My experience tells me lean towards the team with the best player. And the Uh best player is Yas Tenekumpo. And so if all things are equal, 
And I think last year I covered that entire series, that Bucks Milwaukee, that Milwaukee Celtics series that won seven games. Giannis ran out of gas because of no Middleton. I think if all things are equal, I'm leaning towards the, the MVP. And Boston certainly can, can easily prove me wrong on that. But that's where I'd have to lean at this point. Me too. If Chris Middleton had been healthy, they would have won that series last year, I think. It went seven tough games, even without their second-best player. I like Milwaukee in that. And then the, the Sixers, I thought that the Embiid shot Saturday night oh. was just a perfect illustration because they're so, so close yes. and yet so far, right? They're a tenth call. of a second it's away a from a 70-foot shot tying up that game. You give the Sixers a puncher's chance of making the final? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I think the best indicator of future success is past success, and we're talking about two teams ahead of them that have have been there, done that, and know what is required. And for whatever reason, sometimes it's injuries, sometimes it's play calling. The Sixers have come up short more times than not in recent history. But, I mean, they played terrific. That was a great basketball game. The margin for error is so small when you look at these three teams in particular in the East. If that shot from Embiid had come two-tenths of a Kidding second me? earlier, it would have been on <laughs> every highlight reel you saw. For the, It was the play of the year, even though it didn't count. By the way, don't miss Charles Barkley today with Stephen A. They go head-to-head, 11 o'clock Eastern time, commercial-free half hour on first take. Stephen A. and Barkley uh, on first take. In the meantime, as we continue on Get Up, will there be a Bears blockbuster before the draft, will they trade Justin Fields or will they trade the number one pick? Shefty is on Twitter with brand new information this morning. We will get to it next. Plus, baseball's clock controversy overshadowing the start of spring training. Did MLB get this completely wrong? The answer is next. Punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. All right, we're back on Get Up, and it's a huge week. The scouting combine begins tomorrow, and there's been a lot of conversation around whether or not the Bears will make an enormous move. They have the first pick in the draft for the first time in the common draft era, and the question is, will they keep Justin Fields, or will they take the opportunity to draft Bryce Young with the number one pick? Well, this morning, Shefty on Twitter, quote, Sources, the Bears already have been approached by multiple teams about trading the number one overall pick, and Chicago is said to be leaning toward moving the pick. So the number one pick now looks like it's for sale. Kmart, jump in with me here, because the whole idea of possibly trading Justin Fields instead, restarting the quarterback mm-hmm. rookie contract clock, and some people think that uh, Bryce Young has the potential to be, you know, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we think, though? But Shefty is telling us here, sounds likelier and likelier that it will be the first pick that gets traded. Yeah, and when you think about it, that makes logical sense because you have a young quarterback who had nothing around him. He also was drafted by a completely different regime. And we've seen around the league there are plenty of examples of when you have a good quarterback, you build around them to help him develop. So this is a Bears roster that is depleted of talent. Like, it definitely needs a talent upgrade. So it makes sense that they would move back a little bit 
acquire more picks and help fortify this roster for Justin Fields. Depending on how far back they have to trade, there are two elite defensive players in this draft. Jalen Carter from Georgia, Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama. They could move back a few spots and still get one of those and put together a treasure trove of other picks. That could be the slam dunk. That's the way I've seen it all along, Dominique. But you have to believe that Justin Fields yeah. is going to be a great player because many people think you're now passing on the opportunity to take one. The examples are going to be Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. Is Justin Fields capable of being that, Neek? I don't see why not. Like, he has the physical tools that uh, you could argue are better than both of those players. The difference is what you surround him with and some stability. Those players have had some stability in their organizations and a lot of talent around them. And I think that's normally what determines how good a quarterback is in the long term in, this career, or in his career in the NFL is how much time you can buy him by surrounding him with talent and taking pressure off of him, giving him time to learn and develop. Jalen Hurts showed us how, how high the ceiling can be for somebody like Justin Fields. It may, be even get, it may could even get higher than that considering his talent. So I think there's really no reason to move on from, from uh, Justin Fields right now. And, and then the real question, Tim, when it comes to Bryce Young, because he played at Alabama and won the Heisman and all of that, we, we've all seen him. I feel like every fan, even the, the people who aren't hardcore college football fans, have seen him play. He's special. No question. He's a really good player. Yeah. But the size is a major concern. He'll be at the Combine this week. We'll get the official height and weight on him right now. But, Tim, having played the position, how big a deal should we be making about how big he isn't? Listen, I think it's a significant factor. And if I can, Greeny, I'll just say this to piggyback on what you asked Dominique. When um, Fields was coming out, I thought his comp – um, was Cam Newton. Like, I, I thought that there was, there was enough that you saw from him in college to think, look, this guy could play at an MVP level. He's that physically talented. And I think in some ways you could make an argument a more prepared passer when he entered into the league. Now, it hasn't showed itself as a passer, but it most certainly has as a runner. Now, to, to back to your question on uh, Bryce Young, look, I think that's one of the reasons why I would most certainly feel comfortable you know, staying put with Fields in terms of just his size. This is a big man's game. And I get that uh, the, the quarterback is being protected more in today's football than it ever has been. But okay, this is the elite of the elite. And this is the type of stuff that's going to come up every single year. If you're going to draft somebody at the very top of, of the draft, you want to be able to check as many boxes as you can. And one of the easiest boxes to check is does he check out size-wise? And, and he, he won't. Like, there will be a legitimate concern size-wise. Now, it doesn't mean he shouldn't go in the first round. doesn't mean he's not a remarkable, electrifying player because he is. But I do think it's something that you have to be worried about. And I remember somebody saying to me at Kyler Murray's Pro Day, I was out at Oklahoma before it, and he said to me, he goes, my question is, is how small is just too small? Like when you're trying to throw the wide route to the running back and you can't see him at all, how many times is that a problem? Not a problem every play, but how many times is that a problem? And so it will be something that people think about with Bryce Young. I have to leave this here for the moment, but I'm going to definitely want to come back to it. Our producer today is Ali. Save some time in our second hour to come back to this because I have a lot more questions for this group. But 
I need to get to the thing that everyone was talking about this weekend throughout the sports world and beyond. This almost exploded Twitter. Whoever would have thought that a spring training baseball game between the Red Sox and Braves would have everyone all upset, but it did because the game ended with an automatic third strike called on Atlanta's Cal Conley, who was not set in the box before the pitch clock hit eight seconds. Are you prepared for this in Major League Baseball? They had the pitch clock in the minors last year in the AAA level, and here it comes. Again, this season has a 30-second timer between batters. Between pitches, there's a 15-second timer with the bases empty and 20 seconds with runners on base. This does not just apply to the pitcher, as we all learned this weekend. And as I bring in our insider extraordinaire, Jeff Passan, it also applies to the batter. He's got to be there and be ready. He wasn't, and a game ended on that. Jeff, Twitter exploded immediately. What was the reaction you were hearing from people inside the sport? Among players, Greeny, it's resignation, and and not bad resignation. I mean, Aaron Judge himself said, I think the pitch clock is going to be a good thing for baseball. But managers, when you talk with them specifically, they're saying, I hope the umpires enforce it in spring training because that's what's going to get us ready for the regular season. And this is not going away. The, The most interesting thing so far to me, it's not just that one game, that one pitch. It's the numbers of all of the games so far. The average spring training game throughout last spring training, all of spring training, mind you, Greeny, was three hours and one minute. Throughout 35 games so far this spring, the average time of game has been two hours and 38 minutes. There have been six games over three hours, all of which have had 14-plus runs. There have been 12 games under two and a half hours. It's clear that this is already having the intended effect of Major League Baseball. And the only question at this point is how long is it going to take fans to go along with it the same way that players are going along with it already? Well, look, and those numbers are consistent with the way with the impact that it had on AAA last year. And I will remind all the fans who are making a big deal out of nothing in this case, they are taking 23 minutes of nothing out of these games. Dead They're time. Not taking Dead that, time. 23 minutes of nothing. Thank you. I, I am... I, I am so tired of hearing from people, well, that's 23 fewer minutes of baseball I get to. No, it's not. It's 23 fewer minutes of guys futzing with their batting gloves or pitchers walking around <laughs> on the mat. Like, it's 23 minutes that you would love to have back in any other part of your life. So embrace it. 100% right. I'm completely with it. The only legitimate criticism I've heard in all of this, and very quickly here, Jeff, came from Tim Kirchin, said that maybe they've made too many changes at one time. They take away the shift. They make the bases bigger. They do this. I'm in favor of all of these changes, but maybe doing them all at once. Are you concerned it's too much change sort of instantaneously in the sport? Now, I I think that all of them go together, frankly, and that's the idea behind this, that uh, you're looking to instill more action in the game. Well, you've got more action with more singles that we've seen. You've got more action with the bases closer to one another. This is everything in one fell swoop, Greeny, but I think it's everything in one fell swoop, frankly, that works pretty well. I agree. All right, we'll talk much more about this as we go forward, Jeff, through spring training, because I am completely in on it. Jeff Passan with us here, and our spring training schedule starts today. We have Grapefruit League action, Mets and Cardinals in Jupiter, Florida, 1 Eastern. 
It's also available on the ESPN app. All right, coming up, did LeBron and the Lakers save their season yesterday with the comeback of the year? Are they now primed to make a deep run in the Western Conference playoffs? Besides fostering a culture of winning, the greatest franchises in sports all share a rich history of promoting change and innovation and sustainability. And the same is true in the workforce. Isn't that right, Johnny? Absolutely, Greeny. For 75 years, Sherman HR have driven some of the most important changes in the workplace and throughout society. Together, we've helped shape workplace policies, unleashed pools of talent, championed DE&I, and so much more. So join Sherm as we celebrate our success and the power of history driving necessary change in the future. To know where you're going, you must know where you've been. Every mile marks a moment in history. For 75 years, Sherm has led HR to drive change. We fight for women at work, shape policy and protections for all. We advocate for an inclusive workforce and endure together during unprecedented times. Because the beauty of the road is there's always something ahead. Join Sherm on our journey to drive change.